When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to the Inspired Mind Podcast with Ella Victoria. Hey everyone and welcome back. Today's episode is a solo one. I really felt like it was time to sit down and have a catch up. The last few episodes have been with guests which have been amazing but I'm really excited just to be in your ears and catch you up on everything that's been going on, what's been inspiring me and what I've been thinking about lately. I just love doing these solo episodes. It's kind of like a therapy session for me. It's like what I always say but I just really enjoy talking to you guys. So today I really want to talk all about social media and as you guys know I've been doing social media as a job for the past six years now and I have learned so so much and I get questions about it all the time and people always ask me how do I start a YouTube channel? How do I do this? How do I do that? And I feel like I've never really talked about it, so I really wanted to do an episode where I sit down and talk about social media and how you can actually make an income from it. And I'm really, really passionate about this topic because one, I know a lot about it, it's kind of my whole world, but also I feel like a lot of people think that to make a stable income online, you need to have hundreds and thousands of followers, if not millions. But I really wanted to do this episode just to kind of tell you guys that that is definitely not the case and you can make income with a smaller following. And I really wanna teach you guys how you can do that, how you can use it to your advantage. Obviously, I know this is not everyone's goal, but if you are wanting to start a business, social media can be a really helpful tool. But also some people just want to grow an audience online simply so they can share their interests and their story with people to inspire them. And yeah, it's really, really nice that you can create communities online and it can be a very positive space. It can be a very negative space as well, don't get me wrong. 
but I really want to focus on the positives in this episode and chat a lot about how you guys can potentially start your own social media platform and grow it to make your own business and just different strategies. I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of an inside scoop into the industry and share with you everything that I've learned. So I would say that I've been doing social media full time for the past two years. I have been doing it for six years, but I used to actually work for Disney Channel as well. So I was doing that alongside YouTube. And if I didn't have Disney Channel, I wouldn't have been able to support myself. So it's only really been within recent years I've been making a stable income. So there is so much to say on this topic. But before we get into that, I want to chat about what's been inspiring you guys because I asked you on our Instagram, which is just the Inspired Mind podcast, and you guys had lots of things to share. So it made me so happy when I was reading through all of them. And then I want to get into what's been inspiring me as well. And I've got a few things to share with you as well. So let's get into what's been inspiring you guys. Okay, so Kia said, what's been inspiring me is deep cleaning and resetting my space and all aspects of my life. This being a beautiful bohemian wardrobe and making my room a sacred space, as well as mindfulness in my life with yoga, meditation, journaling, etc. I love that. It sounds like so many different things are inspiring you right now, but I feel like the combination of all of them would completely change your mindset. And also how good does it feel when you make your place nice and clean and tidy and then you rearrange yeah, I feel like a change is as good as a holiday sometimes. Sometimes just moving a piece of furniture can completely re-inspire you and make you feel like you've had that change that you needed. So I totally agree that resetting and cleaning your space would definitely make you feel inspired. Next up, Charlotte said, running and pushing myself past my mental battles with my fitness is what's been inspiring me. Good for you, Charlotte. That is so, so exciting. And I love when you get to that point when you have managed to push past it and then it becomes a little bit easier and you're like, wow, like I'm so glad I pushed past and I'm at this point now and I can look back and be really proud of myself. So good for you because I feel like the mental battle is probably the hardest part. It's sometimes even harder than the physical battle. So if you've managed to push through that, I feel like you're probably well and truly on track with your fitness goals. So Mia said what's been inspiring her is dance and the power of movement. I love this answer and I think movement can be so, so powerful. I've definitely been trying to embrace that as well a little bit more lately and I've realized how much movement can decrease my anxiety. Honestly, just like moving around the room before I know I have to do something that I'm nervous about just makes me feel so much better. Often before I'm about to do something like say a call that I'm nervous about, I'll quickly tidy my room or do something like that just because doing a physical activity just somehow distracts me and I guess like pumps up my endorphins and makes me feel so much less anxious. Fun fact, I've actually never even told Brayden this, but before Brayden and I went on like I guess our first date, I was really, really nervous and I remember standing in my mum's room and she was like, oh, just move around. It will make you feel better. And I remember just standing in her room doing jumping jacks because I was so nervous. And I didn't know that that would make me feel better, but it really did just somehow getting in tune with my body and moving around just really distracted me from thinking. So sorry, that was a very elaborate response to what you said has been inspiring you, but I just think it is such a great thing. And we all should try and incorporate movement more into our life, whether it be through dance or jumping jacks. 
<laughs> so I'm going to wrap up what's been inspiring you guys there. But thank you to everyone who let me know on Instagram. I love reading them. If you'd like to send me what's been inspiring you, you can just DM me or usually I'll put on my story like a little question box and you guys can send me something that's been inspiring you guys and I'll potentially read them out in a future episode. But now on to what I've been really inspired by. So the first thing that I really want to talk about is the new David Attenborough documentary. So it's called A Life on Our Planet and you guys have to watch it. You guys know that I love my documentaries. I feel like every time I talk about what's been inspiring me, I always mention a documentary lately. I've just been so into them and it's just great because you get so much knowledge from just an hour's worth of time. So you should definitely get into watching them. Netflix has some really good ones and the one that I want to chat about by David Attenborough is one that you guys have to see. So if you guys have never heard of David Attenborough, I will be very surprised. He's been around for such a long time and is extremely famous. So just in case you don't know, he's a natural historian who has been helping people understand the wonders of nature and the importance for years. He has his own TV show and he's been documenting everything that he knows for years on his show. And I guess he feels that his calling is to raise awareness about the environment and the wildlife. And he just knows so much. I just love watching all of his shows. I always feel really inspired whenever I've watched something that involves David Attenborough, but you guys have to watch A Life on Our Planet. So pretty much it takes a look at David Attenborough's life. He kind of narrates it and talks about what he's learned over the years because he is 93 years old and he's been doing this since he was very, very young. So he's been all over the world and has seen the changes and what climate change has done. So he talks about the loss of the wild and how that has occurred because of the way that we've been treating the environment. And then he gets into talking about what the future could look like if we don't make changes now. So it is quite serious and is quite sad, but it is a wake up call that I think we all need. But then he ends off the documentary on a brighter note and shares what the future could look like if we make changes now and how we can potentially reverse some of the damage that we've already done. But I just felt so inspired and educated after watching it. And it made me really think about how I can make small changes in my everyday life just to better the environment. I really encourage you guys to watch that documentary. Again, it's called A Life on Our Planet by David Attenborough. Okay, so now on to the next thing that I want to chat about. So I want to talk about mirror work and if you guys listened to my previous episode with Erin May Henry, you will have heard her talk about how she uses mirror work to help her with her self-confidence and how it's really made her form more self-love for herself. Anyway, ever since I heard her talk about it, I've been hearing it everywhere. And I was actually listening to a podcast the other day by The Healthy Hustlers, and they were interviewing Rochelle Fox. And Rochelle is one of my friends, and she actually lives in Bali and is a meditation teacher. She has a course called called Mindspo. So I would love to chat to her at some point, but her episode was so interesting and inspiring. You guys should go and listen to that one after you finish listening to this podcast. But she also talked about mirror work and the importance of saying affirmations to yourself in the mirror. And so I've kind of been doing that. And, you know, obviously it feels a little bit weird at first. Well, like 
that makes it sound like it doesn't feel weird now for me. I'm not going to lie. It still does feel weird, but it's so true. It's so hard to look yourself in the eye and just tell yourself that you love yourself because that's not something that we do ever. And, you know, you can just say or like journal, oh yeah, I love myself, but it's so much harder just to look at yourself in the mirror eye to eye and tell yourself that. But I just think this is an affirmation that we should all try. I personally really enjoyed it. I was looking at myself while I was doing my makeup and I wasn't like saying anything out loud because, you know, we've got to build up to it. But I was just like thinking stuff in my head and trying it out. And yeah, it was quite nice and it did like kind of raise my vibrations, I guess. So it did make me feel really happy. I know that it can make you feel sad as well because it is kind of, it can be emotional, I guess. But I really encourage you guys to try it. Just like when you're getting ready, look at yourself in the mirror and just tell yourself some affirmations like, I am beautiful. I am a great friend. I'm going to have an amazing day today. Just little things. And, you know, if you have any like limiting beliefs, maybe you can find an affirmation to try and overcome that and say that to yourself in the mirror. I just think it's really powerful. And I really wanted to chat to you guys about that a little bit more. Okay, I have one last thing that I want to talk about before we get into the topic of today's episode. I hope you guys don't mind me just like babbling away and talking about everything that's been on my mind. But another podcast that I really enjoyed listening to was one by the Rise and Conquer podcast. I've been loving Georgie's podcast for years, but she recently did an episode on energetic minimums. And it was so interesting to me. And I had never heard of this concept before. And it's really got me thinking about where maybe I have energetic minimums in my life. So I really want to do more research into this. But basically, from my interpretation, energetic minimums are just blockages that we have that stop us from reaching our full potential. So kind of like limiting beliefs, but it just means that we are always attracting the same things into our life and we're never fully able to move to, I guess, the next step. So Georgie shared a few examples of energetic minimums and some of them really resonated with me. For example, she said, have you ever been trying to reach a certain savings benchmark and then you can't seem to get over a specific figure? And I can totally relate to this. This has definitely happened to me before. And I wonder sometimes if that is to do with like an energetic minimum. And she was saying how, isn't it funny when like you end up transferring some of that money into a different account. So it seems like you don't have that money anymore that then you can all of a sudden start saving again. And this resonated with me because the same thing happened with me when I was living out of home last year and I was paying rent. I just felt like it was harder to save obviously because I was like paying rent. But then as soon as I transferred all of my rent money into a different bank account so I couldn't see it, I found it so much easier to save because I felt like that money was out of my mind and I didn't have it anymore. Even though it technically was there, I felt like I didn't have it and then I just found it easier to save. Anyway, that's just one example. And another one that she shared was to do with relationships. And she said, do you guys know someone who always seems to attract a similar kind of guy into their life and it's always the wrong kind of person. So it's like somebody who doesn't treat them right. And it's just always the same thing over and over. And that person doesn't even necessarily know they're doing it until they're in that situation. And that's like an example of an energetic minimum. I also think that in some ways I have an energetic minimum towards my like following amount on social media. I feel like I 
personally sometimes believe that I can't reach over a certain amount and yeah I feel like that inevitably happens because I believe it anyway I just thought it was a very interesting concept and I can think of so many areas of my life where this applies let me know if you guys can relate to any of this but I just thought it was a very interesting episode so it was by Georgie Stevenson her podcast is called the rise and conquer podcast I will link everything that I've spoken about in the show notes but that is everything that's been inspiring me lately now let's get on to today's topic where do I even begin so we're going to be talking all about how you can start a social media platform, how you can potentially grow an audience, and also how you can monetize that. Like I said earlier, I know that's not everyone's goal. Not everyone wants to grow a business from social media or make money, but it can help a lot of people. And I feel like that is kind of the way the world's going. A lot of different businesses do rely on social media for their marketing. So it is a great thing to understand. So let's talk about how to get started, I guess. So I get this question all the time. It's like, how do I start a YouTube channel? I don't really get questions on how to start an Instagram because I guess like everyone has an Instagram. But when it comes to YouTube, honestly, I feel like you guys just have to go for it. But I think as your first video, it's a really good idea to do something that just introduces you and maybe make a list of videos that you want to make before you actually start because that will give you more confidence and make you feel confident that you're going to commit to it. Because I get a lot of people messaging me saying, I want to start a YouTube channel, but I don't know what to make videos on. And I feel like if you've spent that time planning and thinking about it, then you're going to feel so much more confident. And if you don't know what to make videos on, just take a look at the videos that you're watching on YouTube, because most likely the stuff that you're watching is the stuff that you're going to enjoy making. So for me, I love watching vlogs and self-development content. So that's the stuff that I want to make. But I think the trick is just to launch fast and then adjust. I actually talked about this in my podcast with Erin, but I learned that saying from the Skinny Confidential podcast and it is so true. I think sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and launch something and then adjust when you hear feedback and once you've learned more. I think you can spend so much time like pondering over the idea of, oh, should I start now or should I do this? And then you don't get anything done. So I think just get started, take action and you'll learn along the way. But also if you're trying to come up with video ideas, there are a few different like ways to do it. One, there are YouTubers out there who actually dedicate their channel to posting video ideas for YouTube. Maybe they don't dedicate their channel to that, but I've seen videos before where it's like 50 viral videos for YouTubers. And if you don't know what to do, maybe look at them and start there. Also, another thing that you can do to make sure you're doing a searchable video is just literally to use the YouTube search bar. And so for example, example, if you're wanting to know what people are looking for and you want to do a how-to video, type in how-to and then all of the things that come up after that is what's being searched for currently on YouTube. So it might be like, how to make a YouTube video. I don't know, like you'll see what people are currently searching for. So that's a really good trick. Now I know I've only talked about YouTube so far, but I want to talk about like social media as a whole. So I'm going to get back to just talking about social media in general. So like I said at the start of the episode, I personally don't believe that you need to have 
a humongous following to be able to have an influence one, but also to be able to make an income from it. They actually have different terms for influencers depending on their follower size. So if you're between like 1,000 to 10,000, you're called like a nano influencer, I believe. And then from 10,000 followers to 100,000, you're a micro influencer. And then from 100,000 to a million, you're a macro influencer. So you might've heard those different terms before. So that's pretty much an explanation on that. And so, yes, you can definitely make an income even if you're a nano influencer or a micro influencer. Basically, it just comes down to your demographic and your niche. I think the more niche that you can get, the better. Obviously, sometimes that's quite hard. I wouldn't say I have a specific niche. I kind of dabble in a few things, but I do feel like I have quite a clear brand identity. I know what I'm about. I know what kind of content I make and I know what kind of content I don't make. So I feel like get clear on the idea of what content you want to make and that will really help. But also once you're clear on the content that you want to make, then you're going to start attracting the correct kind of audience to your channel or your Instagram or whatever social media platform you have. So demographics are absolutely everything when it comes to working with a brand because it allows them to see who they are targeting. So this is why working with influencers is such a valuable thing these days and you can put a price on it because back in the day, well, it still happens, but brands would have to pay for advertisement on TV and it would be shown in front of all sorts of people, but it wouldn't necessarily be the direct target audience. So they would basically be paying to be placed in front of an audience that isn't even necessarily their demographic. But if they go through an influencer or a content creator, it is a lot better just because they have a much more targeted audience. So you can really use your demographics to your advantage. So for someone like me, I have like, I think 90% females who follow me and 10% males. And that is quite good because obviously a lot of the brands that I want to work with are targeted towards females. So for example, a brand that is really wanting to target a female would maybe look at someone like me because I have a larger female audience, whereas there might be other people who have say 40% female and 60% male, and then that wouldn't quite align with what they want. Also, the age bracket that you have is also really important. So my main demographic is between 18 to 24. So that would appeal to certain brands, but not to others. And there was a certain time when my audience was quite a bit younger. So I was getting different sorts of brand deals because brands would come to me because they knew I had a younger audience. But now my audience has changed and I've got older, different brand deals are coming my way because my demographics have changed. So I think demographics are so important because I think a brand would much prefer to work with someone who say has 10,000 followers and the exact demographics that they're looking for, but rather than someone who has 100,000. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Followers and their demographics are completely off. And another thing to pay attention to is your engagement. And this is something that I'm always trying to work on and it can be quite hard and sometimes out of your control because there are things like algorithms. And for me, what I found quite hard is because I have been doing this for six years now and I gained like an audience quite fast when I first started. It's been quite hard to retain that audience for the whole time. You know, like people evolve and grow and not all of those people who once subscribed to me are going to be wanting to watch my videos six years later. Obviously, some people do, and I am so grateful for that. And that's why I'm able to do what I do, and I obviously love it. So I am doing it for that reason. But it is really cool to know that people have grown with me. But my goal really is to increase my engagement, not my follower amount. I would much prefer to have less followers with a higher engagement amount because one, it looks better. It doesn't look like you have like ghost followers or like you've bought them, but it also does look better to brands when you're wanting to work with them when you've got a higher engagement rate. So I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I do get in my head about my engagement because I do have over a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube, but obviously don't get a hundred thousand views or anything close to that on every single video. But you know, I guess you've just got to take that into consideration and understand that over time, not everyone is going to stick around and watch. But one thing I am very happy with is my demographics. And I feel like that is one thing that really has helped me with getting the jobs that I have got. So one question that I had from you guys is at what stage can you start charging? And I personally think that You can start charging really when you feel like you're creating quality content that is going to have an impact on someone and that is going to influence someone to purchase that product. So I think you've just got to be the judge of that yourself. But if you guys want a specific number, I feel like 5,000 followers maybe upwards is when you could start charging for your influence. Obviously, you could start off with a lower rate and build it up the more you grow. But also, you've got to just take a look at your content and see how how good it is, how long it takes you to make and come up with a fee that is relative to that. So there are so many content creators out there who make an income through making amazing content for brands and they don't necessarily have a huge following themselves. They might not even really do much social media influencing all they do is actually create the content and send it to the brand and then the brand can use it, but then they still get paid. So personally, I think you should be able to charge a fee in exchange for your content creation, no matter what following size you have, because at the end of the day, content creation takes work and creativity and time. And sometimes just a product doesn't necessarily compensate for your time. And obviously that's not to say that I'm not grateful for receiving products and things like that. And believe me, I show a lot of products that I'm never paid to promote because I genuinely love them and want to support them and promote them and show them to you guys. But when a brand reaches out themselves and asks you to promote them, I think it's fair to ask if they have a fee that they can put towards your work. So to give you a little bit more context into how long it can take to make content, personally for me, it can take quite a long time. So there's obviously the planning and then there is like the producing and then there's the filming and the editing and 
Honestly, it can take up to two days to do a video. So if I'm posting two videos a week, that can take four days out of my week. And then obviously I've got to do other content, the podcast and emails. There's a lot of other stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So for content creation, you do have to think about like how much work is going into that specific thing that you're doing. And then I guess like you can come up with a fee based off of that. But I know you guys also might be wondering when you do do sponsored content, how does that work? How long does it take? If you didn't know, when you do a sponsored post, more often than not, actually, I don't think there's ever been a time when I haven't had to do this, but you actually have to send the content to the brand to get their approval before going live. So a lot of the time when you see branded content, it would have actually been pre-filmed. So I will have pre-filmed it, sent it to the brand, got their approval, and then I will post. And sometimes the approval process can take weeks. In fact, I have had brands that have taken months to approve. And so it is a little bit unpredictable sometimes. And also when it comes to payment, that is another thing that can be very unpredictable. Obviously this kind of job is a little bit unpredictable with like when you're going to get work anyway. But another thing that can be quite hard to know is when you're actually going to get paid by the brand because each brand that you work with has different terms and has different payment policies and different days that they process things. So sometimes a payment won't come through for a few months. But then again, I have had brands who have paid me the next day after I've completed the job. So it really does vary. Oh, and another thing, the brands can often come back to you with amendments and changes. So if you do something and they want you to change the wording slightly, then you'll have to change that. And sometimes you can go back and forth a couple of times until the brand is happy and then you can go live. So the process can take a little while. So you have to be really organized. I think that's the thing. And, you know, I'm talking a lot about paid content, but if you're starting out and you're thinking that you're ready to maybe start charging, I think it is also really important to find a fine balance between doing paid content and then also doing content that isn't paid. So for me, that is an extremely important thing and something I always want to prioritize. I think it's important to do both things because obviously you've got to make an income, but I think you need to remind yourself why you started and continue to do stuff for free And not just because you're getting paid to do it, because that's not why you started out in the first place. You need to remind yourself of your values. And also your audience doesn't always want to have ads in their face. So I think you've got to find your balance. For me, I would say it's pretty much 50-50. It does like depend each month though, because that's the hard thing. Sometimes there'll be months when there is no work because that has happened to me before, especially like when things happen in the world like coronavirus. When that first started, I felt like I wasn't getting as much work and it's picked up again bit now but there was a time when it was a bit quieter so I wasn't posting as much branded content but now lately there's been an influx which has been amazing but I'm trying to be quite like cautious of not over posting branded content so I guess you've got to find your balance and find a way to kind of provide unpaid value so for me the podcast is actually a way that I like to give unpaid value to you guys because I genuinely love it and I feel like it's a really great way for us to connect you know, away from all of 
the adverts and things like that. Like it's just great for us to sit down and have a chat and talk about things that really do matter. So that's something that I love doing. And then obviously on Instagram, I try and post photos that are just very organic and authentic and the same with YouTube. Not every single video is sponsored. However, I should talk about the different ways of earning money because I have talked a lot about like sponsorships, but that's not the only way that you can earn an income online, especially when you're an influencer as such. I actually hate that word and I hate that I have to use that, but it is the correct term for what I'm trying to talk about, I guess. So the ways that I'm currently monetizing myself currently is through sponsorships, which is my main source of income. And then AdSense, which is where I have ads running in front of my YouTube videos. And then I also have them in the middle and at the end, and I get a small percentage of income per video and then it adds up and I get paid monthly. This is very small compared to how much I get paid from sponsorships. But another recent way that I've been earning money is through affiliate links. And I didn't do this for years, but I've recently found some affiliate partners that I really align with and love. So you guys will have heard me talk about Lorna Jane a lot in my YouTube videos and on my Instagram, and that's an affiliate partnership. So if you guys use my discount code that I use to promote Lorna Jane, then I will get a small commission of whatever you guys have purchased. So I guess it's kind of like a thank you from the brand for promoting them. So that's been another way that I have been monetizing myself. Since I've been doing this full time, I have had to think about different ways of doing things because obviously before I had Disney to fall back on, but now I'm solely just doing social media. So you do have to think a little bit out of the box and diversify yourself and not rely on one specific thing. So there are other projects that I'm working on and thinking of doing. I have been talking about doing merch for a really long time. I really want to come out with it now, but there's been like so many issues along the way. There just seems to be like one issue and then I resolve that and then there's another one. But you know, everything happens for a reason and I believe that the right timing will come. But like I said, there are so many different ways of monetizing yourself. So you can really think out of the box and come up with some amazing ways to make money online. I really wanna read this book, which is called A Thousand True Fans. I've heard so much about it. And basically the concept is that you only really need to have like a thousand true fans to be able to make a business and make a difference. And I think that's really interesting. And it just goes to show that if you have like a thousand people that you were impacting, then you can potentially use that to change your life and also others. So I would love to read that book because I feel like it would give me lots of different ideas of ways to monetize myself. So I think that book is very interesting and inspiring for anyone who's wanting to start out with making money online because it just goes to show that you don't need to have a huge following to be able to make an income. Now let's talk about managements and whether you need them, how they help you and how that exactly works. So I have worked with a couple of management companies over the years and they've been really great. I've had a very positive experience with these managements. However, within the last year, I felt like since obviously I don't have Disney anymore, I would prefer to have a bit more control over my own income. So I decided to leave my management and just do everything myself and work non-exclusively with them. And being non-exclusive means that the management can still get me work. And if they do get me a job, then they can take 20% or whatever percentage is their agency fee out of my rate 
or sometimes they will actually put 20% on top of your rate. So I would say that's kind of the industry standard. I feel like that's what most management companies do. They take 20% of your rate. But going with a management does have its benefits as well because they usually can negotiate your rate a little bit higher because usually they will know your worth better than you know your worth yourself and they're more willing to be like, this person is worth this much because of X, Y, and Z. And, you know, sometimes it's kind of hard to stick up for yourself in that situation. So that's why a brand can be good for that reason. And also they have a lot of contacts with different clients. And also often when they have a big catalog of other influencers on their books who actually might have a bigger following than you, then that can be quite helpful because it could potentially bring you work that you might not have got if you weren't kind of aligned with those other influencers, if that makes sense. So being with a management can be very, very helpful because obviously they do all the emails for you and things like that. The only reason that I didn't really want to continue working exclusively on my end is just because I didn't have control and I like to be able to have control over my income and be able to make those relationships with the brands myself and be able to talk back and forth with them and see what conversations are going on. So that's why I like to do it myself. So I feel like over the years, I've made quite a few contacts in the industry with different brands, different managements, different PR companies and marketing agencies, which has inevitably led me to getting the work that I have today, because I honestly think it can be often who you know in this industry and networking is key. I feel like building relationships with brands is a really great thing and is something that will get you more regular income in this industry. And also the same with PR companies and managements because if they know you're easy to work with and you get the job done by the due date then they'll be more likely to ask to work with you again on other brand deals because they'll be like oh Ella was really easy to work with on that collaboration she did a really good job so let's use her again so I think that's the thing when you're working with a brand or a PR company marketing company agency you do want to make sure you're doing the best you can because you never know they could come back and ask to work with you again and I just think that is something that can really help you with your career. There are actually platforms as well where you can get work so you don't have to necessarily do it through emails you can do it through these platforms so there's this one that's really well known and is actually a really really great platform and it's called The Right Fit so they have jobs on there for influencers, actors, presenters, basically the creative industry also makes makeup artists and things like that. It's a really, really helpful platform to be on. And then when you create your profile, you'll get invited to jobs. I personally haven't actually done any jobs through there, but I'm always keeping my eye out and they do a similar thing to a management and they basically just take a percentage of your income, but they have so many amazing brands on there. So maybe have a look. I remember I used to do something quite similar back in the day when I first started out on a platform called Famebit. And this was a US platform, I believe. And I remember I got a couple of jobs through there. And this is like when I first started out on YouTube and I had no idea what I was doing. I wouldn't really recommend that one as much as I would recommend the right fit. But there are a bunch of different ones if you want to research it. There are apps and things like that. But I would say the right fit is the best one. So next I want to talk about 
whether you should reach out to brands yourself or wait for them to come to you. Because you guys did ask me, do you message the brands yourself or do you just wait for them to come to you? And majority of the collaborations that I do are from brands that come to me. But if there is a company that I love and I use their product and I'm really interested in working with them, then I don't think there's any harm in reaching out. And I've done that in the past and I've managed to get some really amazing jobs from doing that. So obviously you just approach the brand very politely, introduce yourself, tell them what you do. Maybe don't go in straight away with your rates and be like, so this is how much I charge. Want to work with me? Kind of just ease in there, introduce yourself, see if they've got anything going on, anything you could work on together, if they'd like to collaborate. And then if they're interested, they'll either come back to you asking for your rates or they'll be like, you know, how were you thinking of working together? then that's a good opportunity to send over your rate card. And a lot of people in the industry, actually, they create a media kit. So that includes things like their insights, their demographics, just screenshots that show their audience and how much engagement they get. This is really important for the brand to see. So often before a collaboration starts, a brand will ask to see like those things from me. But you can also include on your media kit a little like snapshot about you and what you do. You can also put a bunch of brands that you've previously worked with on your media kit and then obviously your rates. So that's something that you guys might not know. I personally don't really use a media kit all that much because I find that usually I'll just like send rates in an email and I'll like attach screenshots of my demographics because brands often like to see physical screenshots instead of like you writing it down because they kind of want the evidence, I guess. I hope this isn't like too confusing for you guys and you were actually interested in this, but I personally love talking about this kind of thing. Like me and my friends talk about it all the time because I just am really interested in the business side of this world. So I hope this is interesting, even if you're not wanting to necessarily apply what I'm talking about. I hope this is just giving you an insight into this world. But I honestly feel like I've covered so much in this episode. I can't think of anything else to really contribute. If you guys have any questions or any other things that you would like me to cover, feel free to DM me on the Aspired Mind Podcast Instagram and I can definitely do another episode and do a part two and answer your questions. But I hope this episode was maybe inspiring for you guys and taught you something and maybe gave you the encouragement to go out and start your social media journey if that's something that you've been wanting to do. So I want to end off this episode by sharing my top tips for growing an audience online. So first of all, I would say be yourself, be authentic and remember why you're doing it. And I think then like the audience comes to you. I know everyone says that, but it's so, so true. I've actually noticed lately that I've had quite a few people unfollow me, but at the same time, I've had a lot of new people follow me. And I feel like that means that I'm attracting the right people to my channel and my page. But you know, the people who aren't interested and maybe have grown apart from me are unfollowing me. And obviously I would love for everyone to stay, but I totally understand. And it just makes me happy to know that I am continuing to attract the right people to my channel and everything, even though there are other people unfollowing me. So yes, be authentic to yourself, create content that you would love to see, and then the right people will come to you. Another tip is to diversify, do multiple things. I think these days you should do multiple social media platforms if you're wanting to 
I guess like make it a business because you can't rely on one thing and you never know, you might create a TikTok account and that could be the making of you. So you might as well do multiple things and then they can leverage the other platforms and help just build you up all together. And my final tip is to be consistent. Keep showing up more often than not. The thing with social media is that it's meant to be social. You're meant to show up and be there for people to see. So just make sure you're being social and a good influence out there. Be the type of person that you would like to see and that would make you feel good. Just try and put out there what you would like to see yourself. And also remember to connect and not collect. I think it's so important to remember what we have and just cater for the audience that we already do have instead of getting too ahead of ourselves and trying to think about the next milestone. So that is something that can also help keep your audience really engaged and it can help make the community feel even tighter. So I just wanted to remind you guys that connection is everything. So I hope you enjoyed this episode if you did it would mean the world if you could leave me a five-star rating on apple Podcasts, and also it would be so amazing if you guys could share this episode on your instagram stories it just really helps push my podcast out there and i'm loving doing this podcast so it would be amazing if more people could hear it also if you're not following me on my other social medias make sure to go and check out our page which is the inspired mind podcast as well as my personal page which is just ella underscore victoria with two A's. I also have a YouTube channel. You guys know that because I've talked about it throughout this, but it's just Ella Victoria. I vlog like my daily life and that's pretty much it from me, but I hope you found this episode inspiring and I'll chat to you guys in my next episode. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.